Today, you are listening to Think Again Christian, where pop culture and Christian traditions collide with biblical truth. Sponsored by Rainier Christian Schools. And now your host, pastor of Ravensdale Bible Church and superintendent of Rainier Christian Schools, Tony Jamie. Rethinking and re-examining concepts, ideas, traditions, and beliefs in our culture and our Christian circles by renewing our minds. Now I have a question for you. Is the world going to hell in a handbasket? Well, you only have to look at some recent events, and unfortunately in Paris, to kind of answer that question. You only have to listen to a few debates to answer that question. One of the areas is, you know, our, our country refuses. It's, this isn't passive. Our country refuses to acknowledge that, that we're in war with radical Islamic followers. Our, our president consistently not only denies, but actually will rebuke you if, if you dare say such a statement as radical Islamic. Now, keep in mind, I only need to go as far as, as, as their own name, right? Remember, they pick the name, not me, uh, not Americans, not Republicans, not Christians. They pick their name, and, and they didn't choose ISIS. Let me be very clear on that. They didn't choose ISIS. That, that's an acronym. And it really annoys me when we, we use these acronyms to kind of soften the blow. But the name of this group is the Islamic State of Iraq. They're Islamic. Yeah, it's not my fault. I mean, that, that's in their name. If you don't like that, then change your name, right? Um, well, how do we deny such obvious proclamations? And you know, I'm not here to talk about that today, but just to use that as an example. So, again, are, are, are we going to hell in a handbasket? We're, we're $18 trillion in debt. We have some huge moral issues, or divorce rates, teen pregnancies, suicide, drug, alcohol addiction. We don't want prayer. We don't want the Bible. We don't want the Ten Commandments in schools. We've just, we're revising our marriage laws. Where, where's our fruit? Where, where's the fruit in America? Are, are, is our fruit tree rotting? Or is our, what's going on here? And as we celebrate Thanksgiving, I, I want to take a quick little review of, of our history. And, and what if I could go back in time and, and, and ask the people who started this country, well, how do we fix What's going on here? Uh, What's interesting to note is that our forefathers knew what we were going through. Uh, They were surrounded by the same kind of evil and darkness in England. And England was bankrupt, and people were slaves, and the king was corrupt, and the Anglican Church was was combined with with the monarchy where the king had set himself up as God on earth. And so we can identify with them, and and so we can look at them and say, okay, well, what was their attitude? And, and did they hang their head and just say, you know what, let, let's just hope Jesus comes back and we'll get ready for the end? No. They, they went on the offensive. They went out to build a new nation, not with guns and war, but, but through the word. So, so who were these people? Who were our founding fathers? Who were these pilgrims? And what can we learn from them? And, and can we listen to to what actually made them so unique. And fortunately for us, we have so much documentation, so much writing, so much historical reference that to say that our, our founding fathers didn't want God in our country is absolutely insane and in denial. 
And today we're going to take a, a quick tour to the road to Thanksgiving by looking at the National Monument to our forefathers. Now, how many of you out there, I'd say raise your hand, but I can't see you. How many of you have ever heard of the National Monument to the Forefathers? Now, I, I must admit, until I saw the video from uh, Kirk Cameron called Monumental, I'd never seen this. And, and it's right there in Plymouth. It's, it's only been there for a couple hundred years. It's only the uh, most magnificent um, statue built of granite that there is in the world. Um, so how is it that we don't know about this as believers? Well, we don't know about it because they didn't teach us this in school. We don't know about it because they don't cover it on, on TV, right? If we don't see it on TV, then, then we're not going to see it. I've, I've never been to Mount Rushmore, but I've seen it on TV an awful lot. Well, why wouldn't they want us to know? They don't want us to know because it gives the roadmap to a Christian country. But first, we want to look at the road from England to America. Who, who were these pilgrims? They, they were part of the, the Puritan separatist movement. They, they wanted to be pure from the combination of the, of the state church. Now, remember, back then you had the king who, who wanted to claim himself to be God. That, that's what we're talking about when we say separation of church and state. And, and these Puritans or these separatists who, who wanted to hold the scriptures in high esteem rather than the bishops or the king. And they wanted to be able to, to read the Bible because for the first time they could read the Bible. They had access to the Bible, and, and yet it was illegal by Queen Elizabeth to actually read the Bible. So the, the government was controlling the church, and the church was controlling the people. And ergo, when we start our country, we, we want a separation of church and state, but not in the way that we mean it today. So if the church can't be purified, then... We will separate ourselves from it. And so the Puritan separatists uh, stepped away from the church, or in essence, they, they denounced it. And when doing that, they're denouncing the state church. They're denouncing the, monar- the monarchy of England. And so they had to leave. They, they, were, they were, you know, traitors. And so they sold everything that they had. And, and in four years of, of time and saving up the money, they, they set out to build a new community. And that new community was, was in Holland. And so they sold everything. And for, for 12 years, they, they regrouped and, and they were in Leiden. And they had a pastor named John Robinson who, who preached the word to them. And they actually, like the Bereans, would, would study out of God's word for the first time. And, and they were free. They were free to study the Bible. They were free to have home Bible studies and and it was a beautiful thing, and, and they actually started writing, and they wrote 15 books with, with a purpose and a vision to be a, a, a stepping stone of the gospel into all the world. I mean, this little church, this little group of people had a, a generational vision. They had a great vision, and it extended beyond their little families. They really wanted to change the world with the gospel. So before they headed to America, though, they had to return back to England so that they could actually, you know, charter or board the Mayflower and the Speedwell, the two ships that they, they had purchased. And you have to understand that by going to, from England to, to Holland and then back to England, they, they, they were pretty well known. And, and the people in England were pretty upset with them because, one, they left, and then they started writing a bunch of books and sending them back to England. And so, you know, imagine as a, as a country, you... You, 
you have this infiltration of, of information. There's nothing you can do to stop it because, you know, they, they, they live in a different country. And so in the fall of 1620, the pilgrims left for a three-week journey, a three-week journey with their wives, with their children, and it actually took eight weeks. Eight weeks. So they left in a terrible time, a terrible time for the Atlantic Ocean, just very uh, terrible winds and storms, and, and the ocean was, was, was angry. So 130 passengers, about 50 crewmen, about 36 tradesmen and 46 pilgrims. And you know what's really cool is they have so many of these people's names. They, they, they have the logs. So, you know, this isn't like 2,000 years ago in conjecture. We know who these people were, and yet they still want to revise history. Now, unfortunately, this was a brutal trip, as I mentioned, and, and the conditions were so horrific that there was a lot of disease and sickness that occurred on the ship, and, and scurvy and pneumonia and ter- tuberculosis broke out. And with the, the dead of winter and as, on the arrival of, of, of the Mayflower to America, they didn't even get off the ship yet because it was just too, too dangerous to go out and the, the winter was, was too harsh and they would have had to have built their, their new town. Only 53 people out of the 130 survived. That's incredible. But see, our Christian forefathers had a vision and part of that vision was, was they knew they were doing something for God. They knew that they were of God. They knew that they had purpose. They knew that, that God was for them and not against them. So they had determination. They had conviction. They had faith. They had faith. And so their leader, William Bradley, again, we have some of his writings, said this, if, if we're able to lose our lives in this endeavor, at least we knew that our cause is just and our cause is honorable. Now, now they weren't perfect. And, and yes, they, you know, they had fears and, and, and yet they persevered. I mean, the hardest thing for me in, in thinking about this account is thinking about my own wife, my own children. Now, me getting on a ship and me enduring and me getting sick and, and me watching people around me die and, and, and being cold and freezing, that's one thing. And you would like to say that I'm a man and I can do it, but watching my kids go through that, watching my wife go through that, that, that would be hard. That would be difficult. And they had an opportunity to go back. That ship turned right around and went back to England and not one person. Not one person went back because they, they had a resolve. They had a resolve to, to now establish this new community. They had purpose. They had been, they had been together as a spiritual community for, for 16 years. They, they were united. They were one. And they were going to America with a purpose. And, and now with no civil order to speak of in this new country, and just outside of Plymouth, they actually created a system of order on the ship. And we now know that to be called the Mayflower Compact. And so we, we know because we, we, we have it written down. We, we, we know what they, what they said in the Mayflower Compact. And it began with this statement, for the glory of God, the advancement of Christian faith, and the presence of God and one another covenant and combined ourselves into a civil body polite for our better ordering and 
uh, preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid, and by virtue here of to enact, constitute, and frame such a just and equal laws. That's just a taste of the Mayflower Combat Compact. And when we come back, we will learn more about the National Monument to our forefathers. Since their small beginnings in 1963, the Ministry of Rainier Christian Schools has been dedicated to educating and developing each of their students for the glory of God. And it's more than just a school. Rainier Christian Schools is actually an entire school district, with three schools serving the areas of Kent, Auburn, Covington, Renton, and Maple Valley. The Christ-centered environment weaves God's truth through everything they do, from top-notch academics all the way through their competitive sports programs. Learn more at RainierCSD.org or call 425-255-7273. That's 425-255-7273. Contact Rainier Christian Schools today. Welcome back. You're listening to Think Again Christian, sponsored by Rainier Christian Schools. And now your host, Tony Jamie. Today we're celebrating Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving has so much more meaning than just having family and friends get together and eating turkey and watching football games. No, I love those things, and I, I really love that our family gets together, and I love the amazing meal that's prepared, and and of course, I love the football games too, but that's not the purpose and the meaning of Thanksgiving. And unfortunately, we've, we've changed it and we've twisted it. And we were just talking a little bit about the Mayflower Compact and our forefathers and, and the fact that there's a national monument to our forefathers. And in fact, it was called the National Monument to the Pilgrims, but I guess that was too religious. So they changed it. And before the Pilgrims boarded or, or, or unboarded into Plymouth, they actually created the document called the Mayflower Compact, and it was to create the civil law and order in the new world. And, and remember, there were, there were non-believers on the Mayflower, right? There, there were crew people, crewmen on the Mayflower, the, the sailors who, who chartered the, the, the trip. And then there were workers, there were tradesmen, there were, there were people who were, were hired to, to go and to, you know, into Virginia and to, and to do work. And so they weren't just Christians on there, but, but there wasn't that many. And in fact, after the first uh, voyage, there was only 53 left. But one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about Christian education is that, is that we need to tell the true story of our Christian American heritage. And, and, and at Rainier Christian Schools, I, I get to actually conduct the Thanksgiving Chapel where we openly discuss with, with the true Thanksgiving story of, of William Bradford and the, the Christian Puritan settlers who, who, who came to America and and made a pledge not to war, not to to annihilate the Indians and and not to destroy their their neighbors, but to bless them, to love them, to be at peace with them. And we and we we see now in this revisionist history and and in fact there's 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 a horrible show that just aired last night uh, called The Saints and the Strangers. And again, it's the true history of Thanksgiving without Christianity and with the revision that, you know, they really came just to, to destroy and to abuse and to take advantage of the Indians, which is interesting because even in their own accounts, when you, when you watch them, it's, they, they, they want to show that the, the, the natives, the Indians were, 
were really the ones who were generous, who were really the ones who who were the peacemakers, and it was us that were the the violent aggressors as the strangers. Um, and there were so many of them that they could have just annihilated us, which is true, except that somehow we were able to impose our our authority, impose our will with our men, women, and children, Christians. Now, those both can't be true. So we really have to think about this for a second, say, well, what is the true picture? The true picture is that a small group of, of missionaries, a small group of Christians came to America to establish in peace a new government, a new way of living. And then you had Indians who, who were interested in peace as well. Otherwise, they would have killed the original settlers. And so in sitting down and, and working together and, and living in community, the end result of that was Thanksgiving. If it's any other way, there is no Thanksgiving. So you don't even have to be there. You don't, you don't even have to read a, a book in your life to know two different cultures, one coming from another place, invading, as it were, worked together and broke bread and had a great meal. They're the ones who tell us that this wasn't an invasion. They're the ones that tell us that the Christian Puritans were not warriors or land barons, but, but men of peace. Now, the true story of our forefathers is that they came to establish a new world, Bible-believing, God-honoring, Christian world, and, and that's what they did. And so, could we see any evidence of that? I mean, that's just, you know, I'm just talking, right? Well, there is evidence of that. In fact, there's, there's a monument. There's a monument. And 200 years later, after the pilgrims had, had established themselves, there, there's an amazing statue called the National Monument of the Pilgrims. And it's now called the National Monument of the Forefathers. Do, do yourself a treat. YouTube it. And there, there's like a three-minute little, you know, video on it or... or Get the movie Monumental by Kirk Cameron. It's on Netflix, where you can find it other ways. And it really gives a great picture of this, this amazing statue. The monument serves as, as a type of recipe for how to run a civil government with Christian ideas. Do you think we need help in that area today? Now, remember, the, the Puritans came and, and, and their goal was to establish to, to establish a civil community. This is why when you, when you read the documents, it's not just fully and wholly laced with Christianese, right? Because they realized that there would be a combination between the secular and the Christian to foreign civil government. They also realized that there was, there was danger in combining the church and the state as they saw the abuse that had taken place in Europe, not just England, in France, in Germany, in Holland. The reason why they went to Holland was no other nation would take them because there was such religious persecution and, 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 and abuse between the church and the state. Now, I want to talk about this national monument to the forefathers because most of us have never even heard of it. It was built in 1889, and it took 70 years to build. It was commissioned, commissioned by the state of Massachusetts so this wasn't just a Christian de- endeavor. The, the local state said th- this is important. It's important to tell the true story 
of the American settlers, the, the, the pilgrims, our forefathers. This is the biblical look or overview that, that, that then is, is, is put on a monument. Kind of has that idea of the, the, the 12 stones of Gilgal as the, as the Israelites were going into Canaan and, and God says, put 12 stones. Why? So that someday your children will say, hey, dad, what's with those stones over there? And that you could tell the story about how God brought his people out of Egypt through the desert into the promised land, keeping his promise. And so here we have a monument that does the same thing. And on the top of this monument, much like the Statue of Liberty is, 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 a, is a female presence with her finger pointing in the, in, in the air, and, and on it is, is her name is Faith. And she points to God with one hand, and if in the other hand, she holds the Holy Scriptures. And there's four sides to this monument, and there's seated four figures on each side. And on, on one side, it's, it's, it's plated morality. Because if you're going to have a, a, a government, if you're going to have a nation, then, you, then it needs to be, be, be moral. And we know that the morality comes from the absolute moral law giver, God himself who reigns in heaven and through his holy scriptures. And then, and then there's got to be law. There's got to be codified law. And so the second side is seated, seated a figure with law imprinted on it. And then the third side is education. Because you can't separate the morality from the law and education, can you? If, if the education piece then isn't also based on, on, on the word of God and, and, and the absolute moral law giver, and if there isn't codified rules and structure, and this is what we teach our children, then you really will have a, a, a breakdown in the society. And so we're going to have to, to educate and teach and then what will this produce at the end? The fourth side, the sweetest words ever uttered, liberty, freedom, and the freedom and the liberty to pursue your God, your freedom to worship as you see fit. And there's other inscriptions. There's an inscription on, on this called the evangelist. There's an inscription that says justice. There's an inscription that says mercy. And so that we understand that we're, we're, we, we, we want to give the word. We want to give the gospel to the people. We, 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 we want to rule with, with justice. How? By having mercy. And so you see this amazing blueprint on this magnificent storyboard. There's panels that, that honor the pilgrims and panels that honored William Bradford. And I want us to understand that we have an amazing Christian history, an amazing one. And I, and I, and I, and I want to bring this national monument to the forefathers to, to, to you so that you can take a look at that. You, you, you'll be so encouraged and so blessed knowing that it's out there, knowing that there's, there's, there's more. Yes, we have, you know, the Liberty Bell that has Leviticus 2510 in print on it. Yes, we have money that has in God we trust. Yes, we have things like pledging the allegiance to the flag under God. Yes, we have our songs like My Country Tis of E. Yes, we have on the walls of Harvard that, you know, that say that used to be, you know, the truth for Christ. We have all these things. 
but we have one that just stands out like no other. And so this Thanksgiving, I want you to take some time to take a look at the National Monument to the Forefathers. So before you watch another revisionist you know, show, history show about the pilgrims, about Thanksgiving, about the founding fathers, consider the story of the National Monument to our forefathers and think again, Christian. You've been listening to Think Again, Christian, sponsored by Rainier Christian Schools and Tony Jamie. Rainier Christian Schools serves preschool through high school with three locations in the Renton, Maple Valley, Covington, Kent, and Auburn areas. For more information about Rainier Christian Schools, www.rainiercsd.org or call 425-255-7273.